Hey there, welcome to the Business of Freelancing podcast. I'm Eric Davis. And I'm Brendan Dunn. We're here to talk to you about the, what is this, the pricing methods. So we're going to go over a couple things here. But first, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Um, it's Fall has come to Virginia, so we uh, it's been dreary and cold and rainy. Um, but otherwise, I'm doing pretty good. Got a new microphone, so my audio recording should be a little better. Uh, but yeah, pretty good. How about you? Um, pretty good. I'm just getting over the flu. I had it since, I guess, last Thursday, so it makes it a three or four day flu for me again. But other than that, pretty good. I got to catch up on a couple books I've been reading on my Kindle, so I'm, I'm always happy when I get to do that. Anything good? Um, just been reading a lot of fiction and actually been getting a lot more into like fiction writing. Um, thinking of doing some, some of that as like a hobby just to kind of, kind of let my brain rest with business and development stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I um I actually used to go to a uh a four-year workshop uh while in high school on uh fiction writing and poetry and then I somehow got caught into the whole non-non-fiction business uh you know, like the the kind of reading that, you know, after a while it just becomes a little uh soul deadening. So yeah, that's awesome that you're you're getting back into um casual reading or, or enjoyable reading. Yeah. And I mean, I've been thinking about it. It's going to help me a lot with my business writing and just with business in general, because there's a lot of parallels and, you know, the whole storytelling aspect. So it's, it's interesting and it kind of, it got me through this weekend. So I'm happy with it. Good. So pricing methods, um, there's pricing's a pretty big topic when it comes to freelancing. Um, I mean, there there is literally books written about pricing, but we wanted to kind of talk about methods. So kind of, you want to kind of describe what it is, because I think you have a better grasp on kind of how, what pricing methods is versus kind of like what we talked about, like actually pricing your service or, you know, each different project pricing. Absolutely. So um, for those who don't know, I, I recently, within the last two months, uh, released a book uh, pretty much dedicated to pricing uh, freelancing services, really with the intention of getting people to um, price more than they're actually probably charging right now. Um, there's a, a ton of different opinions about how you go about pricing. Um, there's what I call the majority opinion, which is the market-driven or, or kind of the cost-based or cost-plus uh, method, um, which to quickly summarize that is really just saying, you know, my neighbor charges X, I should charge something around that. Or um, I live here and my cost of living is X, therefore I will charge X plus Y and Y being a little profit and I will get by. And um, that also includes reverse engineering your former salary. I see that a lot where people say, you know, as a, as a web developer or as a designer, I used to get a salary of this amount. And there's all these formulas people have come up with to try to kind of uh, convert that into an equivalent um, independent contractor hourly rate. So those are really the the majority opinions, but the minority opinion, or really the opinion that I take and that I encourage my readers to take, is um, a pricing method that is completely based on the value that we deliver to clients. So it's not it's not based on how much does it cost to keep me in my house and fed or 
um, how do we convert my existing salary to some sort of hourly, weekly, daily uh, dollar amount? Um, but instead, it's it's solely based on uh, the value that my clients receive from the work that I deliver to them. Okay, so in in your in your stance, the kind of pricing methods is all about setting what your price is going to be to a potential client, not about. Um, I'm coming up with a blank on it. Not not like, oh, I'm going to use a fixed bid or I'm going to use an hourly or any of the other types of pricing. Like I, I call them pricing vehicles, but actually like what you as a consultant or as a freelancer, what you're going to need to bill for each project. I mean, how you cut it up is, is one thing. I mean, you can, you can segment into, um, I mean, some people go down to the minute, um, all the way to a week, uh, or even just a fixed, you know, I will deliver X for dollar sign Y. Um, I'm not as concerned or at least on this, on this, uh, episode, I think, I think we, we should really talk about more so the, um, how we come about with a, with, with a price, um, regardless of the, uh, the, what you call the vehicle, right? The, um, you know, is it hourly or daily or weekly or project-based? Um, I'm more concerned right now with talking about, uh, the origins of how we come up with a price to begin with. Okay. I think that's actually a good way to phrase it. The origins of your price. So why don't we start with cost plus? What, what is cost plus and what are your thoughts about it? And then I have my own thoughts about it that I can chime in as I go. Okay. So in manufacturing, the, the kind of, uh, mode of operation tends to be if I'm creating a widget, that widget is composed of a few things. It's composed of materials, you know, metal, uh, screws, um, you know, anything that goes into that widget. It's composed of um, the cost of the equipment to manufacture it. So it could be certain machinery or assembly line or, or whatever else. And then there's the labor cost, um, the factory employees who put it together. And um, usually widgets are really commodities. Um, if you're making a knife, it's very hard to um, kind of outmatch your competition um, unless you del- you deliver a superior product, which is going to cost more in labor or and or material. Um, but the the way that most manufacturing businesses work or commodity businesses work are they you know it costs maybe ten dollars to create a widget. Therefore, we will sell it at $15 wholesale to people like Walmart who will then further distribute it. Um, so co- cost plus is pretty much take the take the amount that it cost us to build a product, tack on some profit, and then sell it. And a lot of people, myself included, initially said, well, I mean, I'm writing code at a computer. I guess I don't really have, like, if I work 100 hours or one hour, the there's a fixed cost, which is my computer or my internet bill or, or whatever else. But um, it's really just time. So usually what people will do is they'll say, um, you know, they'll look at their cost of living and what they need to get by, and then they will tack on a moderate amount of profit. Um, but usually fear will keep, kind of keep a ceiling 
say, you know, on top of that, that profit margin, um, that's keeping us from going too high because we'd rather have a project, even if it's at a lower rate, than no profits at a rate which um, is, is much higher than what we can rationalize to either ourselves, you know, and even our clients. I've seen people tell clients, um, oh, well, you know, I, I live in New York City, therefore it's expensive to live. And, you know, this is, this is why I need to charge so much. Um, that completely takes out of the equation the benefit that we're delivering to our clients. Um, so that's kind of my, and there's a lot of, there's a billion calculators online where you can plug in everything about your business and your personal life, and it will spit out a hourly rate that you should charge. And I am entirely against systems like that, as we'll find out soon. Um, but that's kind of my perspective on Cost Plus. Okay. And I mean, I when I got started, I did Cost Plus, and I based it off my salary and then using some of the calculators online. And um, coming from a business background, I you know played with the numbers. I mean, I was like, oh, it says my rate is, we'll just say $40. Okay. You know, the calculator said I should charge $40 an hour. I was like, huh, let's see what happens if I change the inputs. And so I fiddled with it a little bit. And, you know, even by increasing my expenses like $10,000, it only said I should charge $43. And the kind of, I still use cost plus, but I kind of like almost immediately dropped it as soon as I could. It was because the rate it was telling me was about half of what people in my market were charging because I'm in Ruby on Rails and this was kind of when Rails was starting to come up a bit and it was like, oh, wow, Rails is, you know, really advanced framework we can use it in production. You know, it was a, it was a very popular, very hot uh, technology. It still is, but that's when it was like warming up and getting really nice. So kind of like looked at cost plus and like, wow, it, I could see this tool working for some people. And kind of like you said, like, you know, if you're making widgets manufacturing line style, like cost plus might be the best thing for you. But as a freelance consultant with basically my expenses are my computer and my internet and then my time, I, I, there wasn't enough that I could pretend to buy on the expense side to actually get my rate high enough. And so I actually kind of, I started with cost plus and, started like looking at other ways and ended up going into what we're going to talk about next, which is kind of the market driven rate. And so I personally, I found cost plus be very, very limiting. Um, and within, I want to say at least six months, maybe a year, I was completely on a market driven rate. So what, what, what is a market driven rate? I mean, what, what do you, what do you think about it? So um, a market rate is really just responding to, um, the, you know the 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 battle really between supply and demand. Um, if you happen to be a web developer, or even a designer, or a good copywriter these days, um, there's probably more demands for our services than there is supply. So market rate would would say, um, you know, if my peers are charging 15 hour, and uh, we're constantly all slammed for work. Let's all kind of communitive or as a community kind of, you know, increase our costs or not our costs, but our, our rates um, an inch it higher because, you know, the market is saying we need more of you, but there's a limited amount of you. Therefore, um, it's going to cost more to um, to uh, to get you. And really, the my, my problem with market rates are. 
market rates are things that also apply to the cost of crude oil, um, hogs, corn, you know, standard commodities. I mean, it, it, things that are, are tradable in a commodities market. And those also, resp- you know, respond to supply and demand. And we see that daily. I mean, we see that in the summertime when people are, are keeping their AC on. Uh, the cost of gas goes up because energy costs more and um, there's more demand for uh, a set amount of output. Um, so market rate is really just, you know, looking at that and, and responding to that and, and charging accordingly. Another big issue with that is um, if, if I if I label myself as a Ruby developer and there's somebody on Odesk labeling themselves as a Ruby developer who is a tenth of what I consider to be my my market rate. Um, if I'm positioning myself, and, and I don't want to get too deep into positioning this time, but if I'm saying I'm a Ruby developer and my market rate is X and somebody else is a tenth of that, according to a client, what's the big difference? Um, and it, it, there really isn't any because you know if I get my oil from you know, the North Sea or the Gulf of Mexico, it still makes my car move. Um, So market rates are really just based on supply and demand. And they're global. um, Because when you when you're tying yourself to a market rate, you're tying yourself to a, a commodity service. And um, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm against that. Yeah, and I mean, that's, it's basically, you know, macroeconomics 101 is, when you do supply and demand pricing type stuff, it's you have to kind of smooth everything over and call you know a service a commodity. And if you look at you know economics as a whole, whenever something breaks out of being a commodity, it actually gets its own supply and demand curve. So personal computers, you know, there's there's certain demand, certain supply, but you know, an Apple personal computer is different enough in that it's going to have its own supply and demand curve and therefore it's going to make apple products priced higher you know if you're just going straight market driven and so i think you're right there in that it kind of market driven can work but it basically assumes not the lowest common denominator but i guess like the median you know like everyone can do this amount and so if you have like six years of experience in a technology, you're going to get lumped in with someone with three years. Or, you know, even if you kind of have a really good, you know, market-driven thing and it's like you have six years of experience and you're only lumped in with the other six years of experience people, well, the six years of experience might be different from person to person. You know, you could have been pushing the envelope, doing cutting-edge stuff for six years, whereas someone else might have just been typing SQL statements for six years and doing the exact same thing. So, you know, I, I think market-driven is a huge boost over cost plus because it actually acknowledges that there's another side to this. It's not just what you and, you know, your your business actually has, but it actually acknowledges that, you know, there's a demand and there's customers paying for things. But it's also really difficult because it's a very, very imperfect market both on the supply side with customers but also or on the demand side with customers but also on the supply side with freelancers in that freelancers aren't perfect substitutes for each other and customers aren't perfect substitutes for each other and so these imperfections are going to make market-driven pricing difficult 
And I think this is what causes a lot of the discussions and stuff about, what should I charge? Am I charging too much? Am I charging too little? Or my client asked me to lower my price. You know, it's because different people have different perceptions and they're perceiving the overall big market differently. I personally do market-driven stuff a lot, but I've actually been transitioning away from it. Um, It's not an easy one to transition away to because what we'll get into next is the value-based pricing. And to be quite frank, value-based pricing takes a lot of confidence. And until recently, I haven't had a lot of confidence with my pricing. So why don't we talk about what value-based pricing is and maybe get into an example or two and maybe some strategies. Because in my opinion, I think value-based is like the ultimate of where you want to be as a freelancer. Yeah, I mean, value-based pricing at its at its center is is really consulting i mean it is it is it is being a uh, you know uh, being a being a freelancer and kind of an interchangeable part who knows how to do x y or z um as long as you continue to portray yourself as that and sell yourself as that you're never going to be able to jump the you know jump the gap over to value-based because there's something inherently wrong with um, the way that you're you might be uh, presenting yourself to clients. Um, value based, if you haven't guessed already, uh, is uh, by far. Um, I know my my uh, method of choice, and and I I believe Eric's also. Um, value based pricing is really taking into account the fact that we are being hired as an investment vessel for somebody else. So if I am hired to uh, to build a website for somebody, they're not they're not just saying, you know what, I, I want to spend some money I have in a budget, and I want a website in return. Really, what they're what they're saying, and this is where you can really, um, with value based pricing, you can really accentuate is they're saying, I want a website that will hopefully make more money in the long run than I'm going to spend on building that website. Um, it's, it's the reason any, any business invests in, in vendors or services. I mean, they, you know, you, you, you spend money on marketing and advertising, not to spend money, but to hopefully make a return on investment on that, on that investment, you know, on that expense. Um, so value-based pricing and, and I'll, I'll start with an example. I I think an example is a great way to kind of introduce it would be if I'm hired by, if somebody says to me that they want a new website for their restaurant, um, the the way that a non-value-based pricing uh, freelancer would position themselves would probably be something like, okay, well, you know, we can we can set it up with WordPress and we can maybe put a Google Map uh, embed on the homepage, and you know, it, it's going to be full of features and technology. Um, the way that a a value-driven freelancer would present it would be, well, let's talk more about your business. So you obviously want a new website. Let's talk about why your old website, um, from a business perspective, was not working. And there could be a lot of reasons. Maybe they felt that it wasn't bringing them in a new enough new business. Um, maybe it wasn't accessible enough. Um, it, it just you know it wasn't. It wasn't satisfying some sort of business need. Therefore, they have in their head the need, and a, and a lot of it, frankly, is an emotional need, to uh, start from scratch with the hope 
that something new can come that will um, benefit their business in a way that their existing site hasn't. So if you're if you're just throwing technology and, and features at them, um, that's not going to tell them why why what you're planning or why what you're proposing is going to positively affect their business. And value-based pricing is really saying, you know what, if I, if I do this for you, if I redo your website and um, you know, make it so not only is it uh, we, can, we can set up some landing pages that we can run targeted campaigns to that will attract different audiences. So you might have a, a gluten-free audience, a vegan audience, um, you know, and these different types of uh, consumer profiles that would buy from you. We're going to have landing pages around each. We're going to drive targeted traffic to each of these different landing pages. We're going to uh, have call to actions that actually say to people, you know, get out, get off your computer and drive in your car over to our restaurant and eat, you know, eat at our restaurant, you know, spend money on us. Um, and it, it all starts with it's more conversation. You know, it needs to be that. In your proposal through execution, you need to kind of uh, you need to present the business case and everything that you propose, and then you can really start charging based on results. So if you think that you can do something that will genuinely bring a business a hundred thousand dollars in profit that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise, you know the 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 sky the only ceiling really for. Um, for really what you can probably charge would be something close to that hundred thousand. Um, you know, even though you might only spend a week doing it, which at your rate might only come out to maybe, you know, 6,000 or something for a week at X dollars an hour. Um, if you're saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to build something for you. And, and here's why I I'm, I'm confident that if we do this right, we can get you a hundred thousand plus and profit you wouldn't have seen before. And the price for this is going to be thirty thousand dollars. You've just multiplied your 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 price by five times, but you're not. But it's pegged to a realistic ex- expectation that you're going to work on delivering. Now, you can't sell snake oil. You can't just say, you know what, I'm going to build you a build you this, and it's going to deliver a million dollars in profit, unless you can back that up with rational and reason that you can prove, with, you know, with with some certainty. Uh, could bring that. And value base is really just looking at the, at the customer's business, reflecting on what what deficiencies they have, and turning that around and proposing a product which will solve the uh, the problems, the pain points that they have. And if you can if you can deliver something that will either cut costs or or increase their revenue, um, you can. I mean, like I said, the sky is potentially the limit. Right. And I mean, one thing I always think about is when a client comes to you and says, like you said, like a restaurant website, like when they come to you and say, I want a restaurant website, you can just deliver that. But I think about it as they're kind of playing the doctor. So when you go see a doctor, you don't go to the doctor and say, I have a stomach ache, I have the flu, give me medication for it. You go to the doctor saying, I have these symptoms, I have these problems, what do you think is wrong? And the doctor who has had how many years of medical training looks at all of this and says, based on my experience and based on what you told me, what's wrong is you have the flu. And so I think by kind of looking at it that way of, 
it's not so much the clients coming to you and wanting a website. It's a, they're coming to you with a problem, and that problem they think can be solved by a new website. It could be that their wait staff is rude, and the website's bringing people in, but their wait staff is turning people away. But they're not gonna. They might not know that. And so, when I look at kind of doing value-based pricing stuff, you have to kind of take what they're telling you, like, "Oh, you want a website? Let's let's dig into this a bit, figure out why." and try to uncover the pain. And there's many, many techniques for this. And I mean, there's um, a couple books on kind of discovering this, but it's all it's all in the consulting world. It's not so much in the freelancing world. But that's that's how I see it. And this is, this is where I said, like, it takes confidence to do this, that you have to, in a way, stand up to the client and saying, I don't know if you're actually thinking about this correctly, you might not need a website and kind of asking the client a lot of hard questions that they might not be willing to answer. And so that's why I think, you know, you coming in as a freelancer consultant, you have to kind of have that confidence and be able to stand up for that. And the the few times that I've done that, it turned out amazingly well for the client and for me. And so I know it works. It's just one of those like, this is my own, you know, I have to kind of get over it and kind of learn to do it better. So that's that's how I, what I think about value based. Um, you can do value based and market driven or cost plus at the same time. Maybe, I mean, not on the same uh, client, but you can do them kind of like in if you have different services and stuff. But it will get pretty hard to kind of differentiate, especially if you're doing value based on one of the others, because of the fact that value based is more of getting to the root of a problem and consulting with a client versus you know just doing the implementation and fixing it. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, when I, when I think of, you know, a, a technician freelancer, I think of somebody who they read a spec, a spec sheet and they say, okay, I will do X, Y, and Z and we will, you know, I'll price myself at this. Um, a, a good, a good consultant is going to be somebody who's not afraid to push back and say, can you, you know, Mr. Client, can you tell me why you think doing this will, positively affect your your revenue um people really respect that i mean if you're that's the language that clients speak they speak in you know terms like or keywords like profit revenue costs um liabilities the more you can the more you can really sympathize with them and and try to really get on their side and say let's look at the problem and see what we can do together you know me as your me using the medium of copywriting or graphic design or code that's my toolkit but it's a means to an end and that end is getting you more more profitable or cutting cutting costs for you or or whatever else um is really at the root of why they're coming to you in the first place and and being able to identify that will really if you can do that well it will set you apart from just about probably everyone else everyone else they've spoken to because they probably talked to people and gotten things like, well, we're going to set up Ruby on rails and it's going to be uh, HTML five and, you know, all this other technical stuff, which isn't helping them get to that, that end that they need. You know, it, you might accidentally get there by writing the right Ruby code or, you know, right, creating the right designs. But the more you can steer the conversation around where they need to be, um, why they're spending money on you and what they're hoping to get in return, it will really set you apart and 
you know, the you'll be able to price uh, significantly higher than you would otherwise. Right, and I think we'll probably get into value-based pricing a couple more times, you know, in later episodes because it's it's such a powerful thing, and there's a lot to it, you know, both how to do it, how to set it up, you know, how to talk with clients about it, and quite frankly, it's just not enough time in one show to cover all the aspects of it. But kind of think like you know, kind of outlining these three pricing methods at least kind of puts a bit of a language and a framework around them. And so, you know, you might be doing cost press pricing right now and you might know it's right or wrong, but you can see like, okay, there's these other two that I could do that might work better for me in the future, might work better for me now, might be better in certain cases. And so now I, I think we kind of gave enough of an overview of the three so that, you know, someone can kind of make a reasoned reason decision of yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna look into market driven and see if i can switch my pricing that way or wow value-based looks really good and i'm gonna you know my next client i'm gonna try to do a more value-based approach absolutely so um i think i think we've covered a lot i mean i think we've covered um really what i wanted to get out of this which is the the, really the three the three pillars of pricing i think um do we want to uh do we have, do you have anything else to add or do you want to move on to resources? I think we can move on. I mean, like I said, there's I have a lot I can add to each of them, but I think that might be better say for a later episode. Yeah, I mean, I wrote a 100 plus page book on this, so I will uh <laughs> I'll always be uh I mean, the value-based pricing done right is going to fall into just about probably most other episodes that we're going to be having. Um it's really a worldview change, not just a different way of pricing yourself. Okay, so what resources do you have for us this week? So I'm going to be a little, uh, <laughs> little uh, biased and, uh, or not biased, but immediate, and say uh, I love this microphone I just bought. Um, it is called the Meteor Mic by Samson, and um, I'm using it c- combined with this tool called Shush. It's a, it's a Mac app, and what I've been doing is I've been holding down Shift whenever I'm talking. And letting go of shift whenever I'm not talking, and it will mute and unmute accordingly. Um, last week, if you remember, I had some audio issues, and um, part of that had to do with uh, me relying on within Skype pressing the mute, uh, you know, the the mute button, I guess. Um, so yeah, so the meteor mic has been so far great, and hopefully my audio quality has been better. And uh, Shush has been fantastic at uh, making it easy to uh, mute and unmute myself. So those are my resources. Really nothing to do with freelancing or anything like that, but um, they are just really at the top of my head right now. Yeah, I've heard of some people using Shush shush before um, when doing conference calls and stuff on Skype. You know, if you have like 10 people or so all talking at the same time, it's really easy to talk and forget and leave your mic on. And so I, I think he's mentioned that up a couple of times, like saved his bacon. You know, if he's yelling at a dog or a cat in the office or whatever. Yeah. So um, what about you? So kind of based on the value based pricing, my pick this week is a book called Million Dollar Consulting by Alan Weiss. Um, he has another book, which actually is one of the first books I read when I started freelancing, uh, which is Getting Started in Consulting. Both of them are great books, but Million Dollar Consulting is more for the people that have kind of already established their practice and they're doing the work and it's like you kind of want to, whatever, I'm going to use a, a catchphrase, go to the next level or whatever. 
Um, Ellen Weiss is very, very big on value-based pricing. In fact, he has a book just on doing value-based pricing. But million-dollar consulting is a good one. It's going to give you a lot of a lot of ideas about how to structure your business, how to do projects, how to do pricing, how to do a lot of stuff on how to do marketing. Now that I think about it, um, the only problem I've ran into this book and his other books is that. I read everything on my Kindle, and I highlight stuff to look at later. It, I end up highlighting almost the entire book, and so my notes are almost worthless because I'm reading the book again. Um, it He has another one out, but I haven't finished it, so I'm not going to actually pick it. But Million Dollar Consulting, I've read it, I think, three or four times now. I've bought three of the three editions of it. Um, it's... 11 bucks on the Kindle, 13 bucks paperback. It's well worth it. It's well worth the time reading it. Yeah, no, actually, that was one of the first consulting books I ever read, and I, I completely agree. Um, I would actually like to throw in another resource that I just came to me. No, no, you um, said it. You can't go back. <laughs> well, it's on pricing, and uh, email me if you want <laughs> to know what it is. No, it's it, fine. Go ahead. No, um, yeah, it's uh, it's called The Strategy and Tactics of Pricing. Um, it is a beast to read. It's expensive. It's like $70 for a book, too. Um, but it's really the kind of book that if you're a marketing manager or whoever, whatever kind of title puts you in charge of pricing a hamburger at McDonald's, it's the kind of book that they would read um, because it is very CXO level, um, you know, how, how, do, how do we price? I mean, it, it's not really... They talk about services company, but it, companies, but it's very based on um, or it's anchored on uh, manufacturing and uh, production. But um, it, it, it's a really, really good book, uh, just like what Eric said about Million Dollar Consulting. It's the kind of book where if you have a Kindle, you will have a lot of yellow highlights um, at the end of reading it. Um, and it, it's a it's a good book. It's, it's expensive, like I said, um, but it's well worth it, especially if you just want to dig into kind of like a... Uh, MBA level understanding of pricing. Good. Okay. So the actionable thing for this week, um, you want to take in and kind of give, give everyone something to do. Yeah. So I always try to experiment with each new, uh, lead that comes in the door. Um, what I would, what I would recommend would be, you know, I talked about how, how value-based pricing is really a, a holistic kind of worldview altering mentality. It's not just how you, how you price yourself. It's about the conversations you have starting from when the lead comes in the door. Um, what I would recommend is if you have somebody who you're just starting to talk to and focus, try to consciously be aware of when you're, when you bring up, uh, the technology you use and realize that there's a very good chance that the person at the other end probably doesn't care all that much. Um, that's not always true, but for a lot of the clients I've worked with, they just want solutions. So think about try to try to ask them proactive questions about. So why why are you looking for this project? What what kind of financial outcomes are you hoping that a successful completion of this project will bring you? How do you define? What would you consider a failed project? Why you know just try to get to the roots of why this client is coming to you and. Try to see what you can do and present it in such a way to make it so um, 
you will deliver a substantial amount of business value to them. Um, and like always, if you do something, uh, if you try this out and it, it works really well, um, please let us know because this is, I mean, this is the kind of stuff uh, we love to hear. So, um, yeah, g- give it a shot and just really, like I said, consciously be aware of what you're saying, what you're writing in your, pr- your proposals and, um, you know, kind of the full cycle and try to try to tailor it more towards business outcome instead of uh, the medium, you know, the code, the design, uh, the copy or, or whatever else you, you t- generally label yourself as being. OK, yeah, that's good. I mean. I, that's the problem I have is I tend to when I'm talking with a client I'll get nervous and you know spout out like yeah I do Ruby on Rails and I have you know X many years experience with it and I I bring up the problems but I don't actually dig into them enough and so that's I if I talk to a client this next week I'll try to make that my action step too and try to try to see if I can kind of dig that out a little bit more and you can actually even do that with existing clients you know if you're doing like a website or whatever for one right now, you can dig this out and you might be able to pick up another project through them. They might say like, yeah, we actually have this other pain that you might be able to address. And so that's actually something that you can use not just on new clients, but also on existing ones. So let's see this. I think this is a wrap for this show. Um, next week we have Nathan Barry coming on. I'm going to do an interview of him. Uh, you know, obviously, if the Skype and audio gods allow it, but you know, I think it'd be pretty good. We're kind of getting this audio stuff kind of, kind of worked out, and I think it'll be a pretty good episode. I have a couple questions I'm kind of writing down to ask him. So, if you have any questions you want us to ask him before next week, put a comment in the show notes, or you can email us about it, and we'll try to get it onto the show. So, I think with that, that's that's a wrap. Yeah, I thought it was a, um, yeah, I mean, this is one of my favorite favorite subjects, if you can't already tell. Um, and again, uh, I, I hope that you can take something away and it can positively affect your business. So we will see you next time. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you soon, Eric. Yeah, take care. Okay, bye now.